We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome program Caregiver Dave and the Sandy Dave. What's going on? How are you? How you doing? I'm doing good. Can't wait to get to it's, uh, Philadelphia is where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to Pittsburgh. You're going to Philadelphia. Where I talk about why Philadelphia. I love Pittsburgh. And you know why? Because I'm a Pittsburgh guy. And, and our guest today, we're excited to talk with her. She's going to have some really good, interesting conversation. I'm excited to welcome the program. Actress Florencia Lozano. You know her from Narcos and One Life to Live. And we're going to talk about life after you. Florencia, thanks for coming by. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm great. All right, so let's talk about it. Did you always want to be an actress, Gwen? Was that something you always dreamed of? Yes. Yeah, I remember being on stage in third grade and we were doing a musical of the Emperor's New Clothes. I was the head villain. And I remember the feeling of um, applause when the audience applauded us at the end feeling like this light coming into my body being like i need this adoration like i it's just that's uh shameful perhaps but uh but i i really love um i love performing and getting that love from the audience i was also the youngest of three daughters and it felt like the only stage was the only place where i could um <laughs> to sort of express myself, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was with my sisters for airtime. I, I was younger, so I didn't know as much. I wasn't as fast, you know, I wasn't as um, uh, grown up. So I felt like the only place I really had to shine was, was on stage. And, and you had to shine in front of your family too. So that's the funny thing. You you had to figure out ways of uh, gaining attention being the youngest. And even though you do get a lot of attention as a youngest, you still want more and you figure out ways of doing it, right? Yeah, totally. And I was also kind of the, the clown in my family, like the one who was trying to just make everybody take things a little less seriously. Um, you know, my parents are immigrants, um, didn't have a lot of money growing up and they were, they were really, you know, struggling to give us a better life. So they were, you know, kind of serious and, um, and I just loved to see them smile. So I would entertain, you know, That's so Florencia. Um, did your parents know that you had this gift and were very supportive and did your siblings also have the gift or, or were they jealous of you? I mean, how, what was the family dynamic going on when it first was evident that you were going to go in this direction? My parents were really supportive. Um, and I, I realized now, you know, so many of my friends didn't have that. And, and that's, that's a huge thing to have parents, you know, my dad, uh, my dad was an architect and he, he would always say, you know, do what you love. Mm. Um, and that I took it for granted at the time, you know, but now I really am so grateful that he wanted, he pointed us in the direction of what we love to do. Um, yeah. My sisters are, are not uh, in in my field. Um, one is a pediatrician um, who specializes in public health. 
uh, and the other works for um, the DA. So uh, she's a prosecutor. Um, so very, very different um, uh, career choices. Um, and they were always um, supportive of me. Um, you know, my, my the middle sister, I was only a year and a half younger than her. And I think she was, you know, I was always very kind of like clinging to her and wanting to be in her shadow. And she was my big sister and I kind of worshipped her. And she was like, oh, God, what a pain in the ass, this one. You know what I mean? She wanted her independence. And but um, yeah, but they 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 always protected me, you know, like older sisters do. Sure. How did uh, I don't know where Neil went? I can't see him. <laughs> you see me dead? Oh, there you go. Go ahead, David. I'm gonna go to my next question for Valencia. Uh, you know, when you think about specifically enough, what age did you decide this is gonna be for you? So you always wanted to, what age did you decide, okay, acting is what I wanna do and I'm gonna go full force, this is gonna be my, what my career is. I can't ever remembering, uh, remembering a time where I didn't know that this was what I was gonna do. I just, um, before I, I, I don't even know how old I was. You know that commercial, that Anjali commercial with the woman with the dishwashing gloves? I can bring home the bacon, Anjali. I don't know if you guys remember this, but she was okay. stripped off the dishwashing gloves. Okay. Yeah. And never like, I, I had no idea what that meant, but I performed, I would perform that for my, you know, for my, um, my parents dinner guests i can't believe they let me do that i must have been like five you know and um I'm a woman. W -O. Uh, yeah. that was like five. <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> so you would never so you did it so when did you take the break this is gonna be your, so you said you knew all your life you wanted to do that <laughs> When did you take the break? Did you move to Hollywood? What was the whole process? To LA or how did that go? I, you know, um, so what a big thing with my parents was education. Um, my parents were both teachers um, for a while. Uh, my mom taught Spanish for like 40 years. My dad taught architecture and then he became, he had his own office, but um, they were really, really adamant about us getting an education. And so, um, you know, even though I knew I was going to be an actor, um, and I, I danced for a while. I was, uh, I, I took ballet for a long time. So for a while there, I, I thought, you know, I knew I wanted to be on stage, but I thought maybe I would be a ballerina. Um, but that proved to be like, you know, at a certain age, you have to decide that that's all you're going to do. And I, um, I wanted my world to be a bit bigger than that. Um, so I stopped dancing and um, finished high school. And then I went to college and knowing I would be an actor. I, um, I, you know, I majored in literature um, and then went to New York. Uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted to have something to bring to my acting. So I always loved reading. Um, and in some ways, like when you do a play, 
um, it's a lot like English class. Like you, you sit around and you talk about the play. You talk about the themes of the play. You talk about the characters. You, you know, the study of stories is really um, akin to to what we do as actors. It's like, who are these people? What happened in their lives? It's 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 this kind of psychology history. You get to really dabble in all of those arenas. And, um, and so there is an intellectual sort of, uh, if not academic um, element to it. But then there's also, you know, a really physical uh, dimension to acting where you're embodying someone else, you're walking like that person, you're internalized person. And I, you know, I, I was always drawn to imagining what it is to be someone other than myself. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the amazing thing. Dave, uh, what, what thoughts, next question? Yeah. I'm curious um, how the last couple of years affected your career, you know, the COVID and lockdown and masks and vaccinations, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it was, um, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing how, um, flexible uh i find theater people to be because of course theaters were dead right um that there, there, i mean what we do is literally um get in a room with other people and tell stories you know share the same air so um it was amazing how you know we adapted and people did uh, radio plays i did a podcast um through the public theater, we did Romeo and Juliet in Spanish and English online. We did a you know recorded version of it. Um, actually, Lupita Nyong'o played Juliet. I played her mom. So we got to do all of this incredible stuff um, that was you know sort of a hybrid of theater with um, with Zoom, really. Um, I recorded a play all on Zoom where they literally sent all the actors green screens. Like I set up a green screen in my living room and then the theater put in the background afterwards. So it's kind of amazing to see how theater people just adapted. Um, TV and film was uh, a little different. Um, I actually ended up getting a, a Netflix show, shooting a Netflix show in Vancouver last summer. So when things looked to be getting a little better before Omicron, I went to Vancouver. I had to quarantine there for two weeks, um, then get tested all the time. It was a, it was a, a big strain on production, you know, because film and TV production is already such a labyrinth of different um schedules and just logistics so the people in production had this added task of having to test us all and i felt i felt really bad for them i mean i just was like on top of everything else now they have to worry about the plague you know um but they did it you know and um uh, it was great to shoot this this show in Vancouver. Um, then I came and did an episode of Bull, 
uh, on uh, CBS and we shot that in Brooklyn. And that was the same thing, you know, lots of COVID testing. Um, so I was just, I was really impressed by how my community like rose to the occasion and was like, we're gonna do this hell or high water and we're gonna figure out how. And that's the thing, and I was uh, also checking out, you know how to monitor and adjust because you were you started in soap operas, your career. So really tell how intense it is to shoot seasons for that because it's everyday type thing. And you constantly have to be on the go. You have to monitor and adjust. You don't have time to do your lines. So probably that's why you're always needed to be in some sort of thing because you know how to monitor and adjust when you audition and everything because of what you dealt with. Theater and soap operas, I think, are the best probably training-based places for actors. Wouldn't you agree? To really have to learn to go with the flow because that's what directors are looking for. That's what producers are looking for when they're looking for a cast. I always say like um, one of the skills that soaps gave me was just getting up to bat, like get up, to, just get up and start hitting. Like, you know, you have to, you have to do it quickly. And it taught me that it taught me like make a choice and just start, start swinging, no, start swinging at the balls. And, and cause you have to, you have to go, go. We have to tape this show, a whole show in one day. And so now when I, you know, when I did that episode, Full and we do eight pages a day and people are, you know, rightfully, you know, kind of anxious about, oh, that's a lot of material. After having done, you know, a whole show in one day, I'm sort of like, we can do this. We can do it, you know? Yeah, definitely. You, you can do it. That's for sure. And, and that's where you develop that skill set to now what we're going to talk about today, because you, through that experience of being on all these amazing shows and, and experiences, now you're starring in Life After You. And uh, talk a little bit about that and how you're involved in this, not just acting, but how you, this is really a big deal for you, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a big deal <laughs> in terms of, yes, for me personally, and it's also, um, unfortunately, you know, it's such a huge problem right now. What the movie addresses is this uh, opioid epidemic um, that has gotten so much worse since, you know, the story was inspired by the death of Danny Latterman uh, in 2014. And it's now 2022. And unfortunately, the story is more timely than ever. Um, the batch of, of heroin that Danny OD'd on was laced with fentanyl. And um, fentanyl is uh, so uh, ubiquitous now in all kinds of street drugs. And um, what our movie is really trying to do is ring that alarm bell and tell kids, listen, the drugs that are out there now are different than the drugs our generation used, right? Um, there is poison in it um, that may kill you after one use. Um, and, 
and that is something that uh, I think everyone who made the movie, I know everyone who made the movie is, is really passionate about getting that word out and starting that conversation. Um, Charlene Giannetti, one of the producers on the show, she um, is a journalist and she interviewed Linda Latterman, who is Danny's mother. And um, after Danny OD'd, and Linda and her husband Tito found their son, a 19, their 19 year old son, in their home, in his room, after he had OD'd. Um, and about a month after that happened, um, she wrote a post, a Facebook post in the middle of the night, because uh, she didn't know what else to do. Every time she closed her eyes, she would see her son's face. Um, when the way she, the way she saw his, the way she, he looked when, when she found him. And so she wrote this post and it went viral. And so Linda ended up writing a, a short, a short book called Life After You, What Your Death From Drugs Leaves Behind. And it really is meant to scare the crap out of kids. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's meant to say, look, this is what happens, literally. Your sister and your brother need to write your obituary. You know, these, these are the things that will happen to your family. Um, and Charlene, after interviewing Linda, came to me. She had known my work as an actress from TV. And she said, I want you to play Linda. I, I know nothing about film, film production or screenplay writing, but we have to tell this story um, as a film so that more people hear it. And I don't know what got into me. Well, I do, I, I met Linda and, and after hearing her talk, I, I, I was very inspired by how she said that she continued to talk to her son. Um, and that made me think, well, what if we told the story in a more um, less traditional way less like, well, this happened and then this happened, but more emotionally, what was the mother, what was Linda's journey in terms of um, letting her son go? She was in such complete and utter shock. She was so uh, uh, at a loss when he died. She, she really had no idea what he was up to. So this film is, uh, is telling the story of her her trying to come to terms with how could this have happened? Um, so in the movie, um, she continues to talk to Danny um, and he continues to take presence in the film. Um, so I asked Charlene, I said, can I write this screenplay? Can I try to write this screenplay? I had, I had never written a screenplay before. Um, I had written plays, um, short stories, but um, yeah. So I started writing it um, with the woman who ended up directing it, um, Sarah Schwab. We co-wrote it um, and and shot it right before the pandemic. Um, yeah. It's powerful, Dave, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, it takes a lot of trust because they're just going to think that uh, you're just trying to scare me, you know, and, uh, um, and I agree, you need some kind of creative, new, never done before way 
of communicating. And, you know, Hollywood is a creative entity. Uh, if anyone came up with one, they can. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, writing the, the screenplay, wow, that was really going into the woods and uh, trying many different avenues. We, we, we went off in many different directions um, to try to find the right way, really, as, as you were just saying, the question is how do we get through to kids? How do we penetrate that, that divide, right? Between, because um, we were all kids, we remember how it was where, you know, there's this code, there's this code of, you know, you don't tell the adults. Um, and how do we um, try different tactics to try to warn, um, to warn them um, without alienating them, without pushing them too far away? And that's what you're doing is such a powerful thing. And I remember watching American Greed with this guy that was doing it on the dark web selling opioids, but they were laced with fentanyl and different. He didn't care about the specific drug and, you know, it was really dangerous. So, you know, people think, hey, I'm just getting something. It's going to be a painkiller I can drink with alcohol. Everything's going to be fine. And they're getting it from the dark web and that dark web could lead to an overdose. Or, you know, buying on the streets, you just never know. And that's why you got to be careful with any of this stuff, because we all know opioids are addictive, but add fentanyl to the mix. And it's, deadly, it's a deadly, it can, it, sometimes it can make you sick. Sometimes it could be nothing happens, but another person, they're dead. And it doesn't matter what age or whatever situation. I'm glad you're bringing light to this because the news doesn't want to bring light to this stuff. They talk about the opioid addiction, but they don't talk about the drug addiction and the process and how many things are laced with fentanyl, even marijuana. But you just you just don't know. You got to be careful. And I'm glad you're bringing this movie out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Without getting political, you know, it all comes across our southern border, and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Okay, babe. that's Dave's comment, and he did get political. Okay, so let's go right now to the care, care uh, Dave. Your question uh, regarding caregiving. Yeah, so my wife, 25 years ago, we had a, we're married for 47 years, about halfway through. She uh, complained of a headache that she had for like four days. And she was going to go to the doctor, but then, uh, you know, it turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed. Um, and we grieved for the last, uh, for the next two years, I should say. And we decided that, hey, you know, Life hands you lemons, turn into lemonade. And so we reinvented ourselves and, and she decided to do everything she did before. She was very talented across between Martha Stewart and Wonder Woman. And, um, you know, a gourmet cook, an interior decorator, a wedding coordinator, et cetera. So she's doing it all with one arm and one leg tied behind her back and duct tape over her mouth in essence, because she can't speak verbally. And she just makes all us normal people look like whiners and complainers. So I go around the world and the country speaking on uh, stages and uh, been on 52 TV shows, just helping people uh, to survive because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. My question to you is uh, how has caregiving touched your life or do you fear that it will one day? Um, it's a really good question. Um, 
my my father actually um fell uh this december and um it caused this whole spiral of events um that all knock on wood ended up well but speaking of my sisters my sisters and i came together to figure out how to support him um i ended up going to be with him he had broken his hip and do you know it was the best christmas of my life spending that time in my dad's um uh, nursing facility he was in a rehab facility uh they were in lockdown because of covid it was you know but my dad was so vulnerable he was so open he you know i i felt like i got to take care of him and that was a gift yeah. which i I never, I never expected that. I, I was so surprised that like, it was a gift to be able to, to be physically intimate with him in a way I, I never had been before. Um, it was, it was, it was a lot. And you can only imagine what it is uh, long term to do that with someone. Um, you know, I got him on a plane, my boyfriend, and I got him on a plane, um, uh, to Seattle. And now he's at, uh, in Seattle, um, where my, my other sister lives and she's really taking care of him now. Um, but thank God that there's three of us who can, um, uh, we all have different abilities too. And, and so we can trade off, like you do this and I'll do this and, having a network of support is a huge plus um but it really made me grateful for the things that i took for granted before um and um and i remain grateful <laughs> yeah. maybe so. you can send your sister to our online support center caregiverdave.com it's got Bunch of gifts you know i've written books i've got podcasts i've got videos you and got, and you, you got a really popular facebook page yeah, 34, 000, uh, facebook yeah, followers he, the, the really engaged group check it out now uh where can we find the film and stuff and watch it i know there's youtube right now for the preview when's when's it coming out so people can check well, it out. actually is available for um pre purchase is that what it's called i think so on uh, apple um apple itunes um one of the producers just emailed me about this because i asked him that very thing um he told me it's going to be in a hundred percent of uh households um so you can pre-order it on apple tv itunes um i think it's on pay-per-view um, basically, if you have cable TV, you can um, rent it. And then it'll be streaming in like three months. It'll be streaming, I believe, on Netflix, Hulu, all of those. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations with the work that you're doing such great work. Any other projects going on right now? You're staying busy. You said you're filming Netflix last year and different things. Can, anything you can tell us about a project coming up for you? So the, the Netflix show that I shot in Vancouver is called Keep Breathing. Okay. 
Keep Breathing. It's a Netflix show that should come out in like August, I think. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's All a right. lot of fun. Any other projects or that's pretty much it right now? Or you're staying busy, I'm sure. I'm staying busy. I also just recorded a, uh, a radio play, another radio play uh, called Kisses Through the Glass. And it will be available uh, on the Two Rivers Theater Company website. Okay. So that's something else. You really have a good voice. So I can tell how you were good, good for that radio. I could see listening to you read to me. So the way just you, you have that voice, I can tell. All right. So appreciate it. Where can we follow you on social media? Best place to connect with you on social. Where can we go? Where are you? So, I have an Instagram, which is all lowercase. It's my name with an underscore between the first and last. So lowercase Florencia underscore Lozano lowercase. Excellent. And for those narco fans, go back and check her out when she was in narcos and different things. And yeah, I was reading some of the places. Some your Wikipedia is pretty impressive. So con continued success in everything you're doing. And this project, I definitely want to learn more and hear more what's going on. This is a tremendous project. We got to let people know the dangers of taking things that guess what? They're not coming from the right sources because it could be your last chance of life. So I appreciate you stopping by. Of course. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. That was the caregiver day celebrity segment here on the Neil Haley show for television and radio. Take care guys.